preaching, and, and uh, Trisha and I went. And, and so um, then the next week, uh, we had COVID, and the next week we had COVID, and now we're no more COVID. But, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, we're, uh, we're through that, and, and as well as many people in our church have, have uh, had this in the last uh, two or three weeks. So um, that's part of the reason that we're down uh, to one worship service currently and, and uh, look into the future and kind of see what we're going to do with that as we move forward. But we'll mention a couple of things as, as we get rolling today. And one is that um, if you have not done your deacon election ballot, it's on our church website. So we, we've just put everything there. If you go to the front page of the church website and, and look on there, you can fill it out right there on the website. There's three men that that were nominated for this. We'll select two, so you can pick two of the three. And uh, Rick Huddleston, Dave Klein, and Dan Potner. So those are the three. They're all three very, very good, godly men, qualified men, and, and we're very blessed to have the three of them that have uh, uh, agreed to serve if, if they were elected. So we'll elect two of those men to serve as deacons for three years, and, and they'll come in and, and uh and fill those two slots that need to be filled. So um, you can do that. Keep up with schedule changes and everything that's going. We're keeping that up on our church Facebook page and our website as well. You can sign up for the updates and you get an email, um, a weekly email update, or if we have a change or something, you'll get an email as well. You can sign up for those on our church website as well, right there on that front page. It's, it's in there. And, and so as we move on, we kind of back up and, and look as, as we move into the Christmas season. I'm wrapping up this series on prayer that I began, uh, that I began a while back. But um, the last time it was, we started off on the Lord's Prayer, we talked about um, prayer as revering God, relinquishing control of our lives, and relying on Him. And today we're going to um, get the last part of the Lord's Prayer. And in that it says, uh, Jesus said, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So as we come in and, and move into that, moving forward in the Christian life um, requires that, that we're proactive in our prayers. It, it requires us to have a desire to be more like Jesus, to understand our reliance upon Him, to follow Him in, all, in, in everything, to worship Him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. <clears throat> and um, it also means that we have to look into our hearts and, and let Him change us as, as we come in here. And, and this is what this is. It's looking inside, and it's not something that we naturally do. We don't just naturally move to the place God wants us to. It's something that God enables us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and through prayer as we come in. He makes this possible. So it's something that we can truly apply to ourselves today. And in the current context of everything that's going on in our world, these are things that we can apply right here, right now, today, and, and experience the power of God through prayer. So it's followed um, as, as we look by the things that we're looking at here today. So the first thing is forsaking in verse 12, where he says, and forgive us our debts, um, confessing our sin is um, acknowledging that we've offended a holy God. Now, a lot of times we say, well, I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to, um, I'm going to uh, confess them to God. But to confess them also means to acknowledge that they're wrong. 
It, it means to acknowledge that God is right, I'm wrong. It's to acknowledge the holiness of God and, and who He is. It's, it's understanding that I have offended a holy God. It means that my actions have offended God. They're obnoxious to Him. Our actions, words, or thoughts have violated the holy standard that God has given for us as His people. We haven't simply made a mistake. You know, a lot of times we come in and go, oh, you know, sorry, I, my bad. I made a mistake. No, it's not just I made a mistake or this. This is I have offended a holy God. I have willingly chosen to offend him and that offense causes him great suffering it has caused him great suffering and that may sound like it's over the top say well my little sin you know my little little bitty thing that I did over here maybe a little white lie or I I kind of chose not to really do things exactly the way that that um, I knew God wanted me to do that. I, I just chose just just to step over the line, just to nibble around the edges just a little bit, and it's really not a big deal. And 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 it sounds like it's over the top to say yes, it is because that sin, that little bitty tiny tiny sin. was the reason that Jesus came and it's the reason that we celebrate right now at Christmas but it ultimately concludes in the cross I mean ultimately it was 33 years of God Almighty leaving heaven coming to earth clothing himself in flesh living with our limitations experiencing all of the evil of our world personally cast upon him and and of all humanity and all history paying the penalty for our sins. It's not just a little sin. It's not just a little bitty thing. A little bit pollutes everything. I mean, it, it, you can have a glass of clear water and put a little bit of poison in it and go, wow, it's just a little bit. And, and a little bit goes a long ways. It, it just pollutes everything. And Jesus paid the penalty for our sins so we can enter into the presence of a holy God. And as we come in to all of that, that's what we come in. And when Jesus says, forgive us our debts, it's understanding the gravity of our debts, the depths of our debt. And, and it's what Jesus is, is moving for here. So it means that I'm asking for my sins to be forgiven. I'm admitting my guilt. I'm admitting my shame. And I'm changing my actions. It's not just let's mark it off and move on. Asking for forgiveness and continuing in the same behavior, that's, that's crazy. It doesn't cut it. That does not cut it with God. In 1 John 3, 6, um, John wrote, uh, the Apostle John, he put it this way. He said, no one who abides in him, no one who abides in Christ keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen or known him. Keep on sinning is, is the operative phrase here. To say keeps on sinning, it, it means that I keep on doing the same old thing over and over and over again. It means that I have a pattern of sin in my life. It means that I have a lifestyle of sin. It, it doesn't mean that I'll never sin again. It doesn't mean that when I come to Christ that I am going to be sinless and perfect for the rest of my life. None of us are. We sin. We sin every day. I mean, we probably have sinned between the time it took to get here and, and uh, what we're doing right now because we, we are people who are, are, are broken people. But, but it means that I 
have a brokenness over my sin. I understand the gravity of sin, and I have a desire to change. I don't want to stay the same. It's a perpetual state of sin. This is a perpetual state of sin with no intention to change. That's when it says keeps on sinning. When John says no one who keeps on sinning, he says they're living in a perpetual state of sin. They really don't care about sin. It doesn't bother them. They haven't thought about the, the gravity of their sin and what it did. It's an attitude. Basically, it says God has to forgive me. God has to forgive me because he's promised to forgive me. He has to forgive me, and I can do whatever I want. I can live my life the way that I want because I know that God will forgive me. And, and so when we talk about forgive us our debts, Jesus is saying that we are confessing and forsaking our sin. We are confessing it and forsaking it. We are turning from it. If we confess our sins in John, 1 John 1, 9, uh, John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, so even down to asking, it even comes down to asking God to reveal to us sins that we don't even know about in our lives. Because there are things, you know, honestly, as, as we grow in our faith, we begin to learn more and more and more about ourselves. We learn more and more about God. And, and we see the chasm between us, between our lives, our righteousness, and his holiness, and, and we're drawn to him. And, and so this is what uh, the psalmist, he, he wrote in Psalm nineteen twelve: who can discern his hidden errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. The, the psalmist just said, you know what? I, there's stuff in my heart that I don't even know is there. And I'm asking God to show me. I'm asking him because I desire to be holy. I desire to be like him. And this is what I want. It means that I understand the utter vileness of sin and I desire to be set free from its destructive grip, from the grip of sin that will destroy me. So, so as we come in and we talk about forgiveness and praying about forgiveness, it, it means that I understand sin. I understand what it is, what it does, what it costs God, and how it can absolutely destroy myself it can destroy our church. It can destroy our families. It will destroy our children. It will destroy our community. It destroys everything. Sin is the great separator between us and God and the blessings of God. And we have to understand it and forsake it so that we move forward. And then he goes, so forgive us our debts. And then he says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So forgive us our sin as we have also forgiven our debtors. So we forsake, it's forsaking sin, forgiving others. As we forgive others as believers, God has forgiven us of our sins. He's forgiven us of, of our sin. As a matter of fact, when, when we come to Christ, He forgives us for all past, present, and future sin. Our sins have been paid for. Jesus paid the price on the cross. It's all been done. It's finished. It is done. And, and it's sin that required the life of Jesus to cover it. Sin that stinks to high heaven. That's what Jesus has done for us. And, and we deserved the wrath of God. We deserved the punishment for our sins. Uh, but instead, we've received His mercy. So we, we understand forgiveness. And we understand that, that He is... Um, giving that to us as we forsake our sin, but it also means that we have to extend that same grace to the people who've sinned against us. Just as I've sinned against God and he has forgiven me, I have to forgive those who have sinned against me. So God's grace makes it possible 
for us to be redeemed and restored. And this is the time of year where we celebrate the incarnation and we celebrate the love of God. And, and sometimes as we do that, we miss why it was necessary. And we miss the unimaginable cost that it was to God for Him to be here on this planet, for Him to be here physically clothed and robed and fresh, the incarnation, God in flesh. And, and so we, we forget the unimaginable cost and it's this same grace of God that's been extended to us that should drive us to extend that mercy to those who have sinned against us, to forgive those who have sinned against us. And, and that can be a very, very difficult thing. As a matter of fact, we're, we're asking what, what Jesus said, I'm asking God to forgive me the same way that I forgive other people. God, I want you to give me grace the way that I give grace to the people around me. It's not easy for me. Is it easy for you? That's hard, isn't it? It's just hard. It's hard to forgive people who have done things that hurt us, that, that we look and we see, you know what, not only do they um, have they hurt us, they have ill will towards us. They want bad to happen to us. And, and that's hard to forgive. But what we're saying is, is God, we want you to forgive us the way that we forgive others. I want to receive grace from you the way that I give grace to other people. I want you to treat me the way that I treat others. Think about that for a second. I want to be forgiven with the same measure I have used to forgive other people. In Colossians 3, 12 through 13, Paul said this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Or in Ephesians 4.32, he put it this way, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see, I have a huge sin debt. I mean, I know my sin debt is, is greater than I can count. It's, it's more than I can write down on paper. I don't have that much paper. It's, it's huge. None of us do. None of us can. Um, Jesus told a parable in Matthew 18, 23 to 35, and it's a parable of the wicked servant. And, and it said this servant, he owed his master this unimaginable amount of money, billions of dollars, billions of dollars in today. I mean, lifetimes worth of wages, more than he could have made in several lifetimes. And, and he uh, came to the servant, and he told the servant, look, it's time. I'm calling in the debt. Pay it. And, and the servant knew that he couldn't, and he fell at his feet, and he begged for, begged for mercy. He begged, you know, get, just give me time. Let me, let me work it out with you. Let me do And it was ridiculous. I mean, when you look at it, you go, I'll never have that kind of money. I mean, he'll never have that kind of change. He'll never be able to make it. He doesn't have the ability to do that. And, and the master said, I forgive it. I forgive your debt. It's paid for. Go on. And then the guy left, and Jesus said when he, when he went on, he said there was a guy who owed him a couple of bucks, you know, a cup of coffee, basically. 
And, and he began to beat the guy and, and said, I'm, you pay now or you're going to jail. I'm going to have you thrown in jail into debtor's prison. We don't have debtor's prison in our country, but, but in some places, if you owe money, you'll go to jail before you pay, you know, and, and you don't get out until you pay the money. But, um, but he, for, he refused to forgive this guy after he had been forgiven a great debt. He refused to forgive a small debt. And, and this is a, a great picture of what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Um, Jesus paid my sin debt. He forgave me. He made me whole. He washed me and made me holy and blameless in the sight of God. He has done that for all of us who have come into the kingdom of God, who have become followers of Jesus. He offers us to us, and that drives us to forgive other people. It drives us to keep short accounts. It moves us into that because we properly understand what Jesus has done for us. We want to extend that to others. In Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That's what Jesus said in, in the Last Supper. The, the night he is with his disciples, as he breaks bread with them, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you, and this is my blood in the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It reminds us of the gravity of sin, of the depth of sin, of the cost of sin, and the greatness of God's grace and mercy. And, and it, it drives us to him. So this simply means that, that we forgive. When we, when we say, forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, it, it just means that we are willing to forgive and move on instead of continually going back and digging up the past. It doesn't mean that if, if somebody, ha, you know, if, if you've cheated me, it doesn't mean that I'm going to trust you. I might still go, well, I'll be really careful before I get into any kind of dealings. But I've forgiven you for that. I'm not going to dig it up. I'm not going to dig it up in the past. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to um, hold the past against you. I'm not going to leverage that against you. Every time that this comes up for the rest of our lives, I'm going to go, well, remember the time. Remember when you did you know, whatever it was. Remember that time that you said that thing and that hurt me? It, it's not. It's just saying, you know what? I, I have, I've let that go. I've forgiven you for that. And I've moved on. And we, our relationship is growing from this point forward. We are building from this point and moving forward. Just like God has done in us, he doesn't dig up my past. He doesn't come in. And, and when I come to him in prayer and I pray and, and I ask God to do things in my life, and God says, well, remember the time? He doesn't do that. He moves and, and moves us on. And this is, this is the grace of God and the mercy of God. And he wants us to extend that to other people. Um, so, so as we come in, it doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable for their actions. It simply means that we forgive them. There are still consequences. There are still things that come along with sin that we deal with. But it means that they have been forgiven. And then the next thing, he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he says, if, um, as, as we come in and, and, and look at this, and, and he says, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And <clears throat> it's following. To lead us not into temptation means that we want to follow Christ. To lead 
us not into temptation is to plea is a plea. It's really a plea that says, I am pleading with God that I will not have to face the trials of temptation that come from Satan. I am pleading with God that, that I won't have to face these temptations because God never tempts us, but we do face times of testing in our faith. There are times where, where we are tested in our faith. In James 1.13, uh, James put it this way. He said, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So our temptations, our temptations don't come from God. They come from Satan. But as we come in, we, we understand that, that we have these temptations and, and we're praying that God will keep us from them. In Mark 14, 38, it says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. As Jesus was in the garden with the disciples and he's praying to God and he's saying, Father, if it's possible, may this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He comes in and he tells the disciples, he says, Look, watch and pray. The flesh is willing. The, the, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Or in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul put it this way. He said, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, the temptations that we face, they're the same temptations people have been facing for generations, and they will face for generations after us. It's nothing new. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And in other words, he's saying, you know, we don't have an, we don't have an excuse for falling into temptation. We don't have an excuse for saying, you know, I just couldn't help myself. I just couldn't not do this. I, I, I had no way to avoid this. In other words, what he's saying is, you know what? No, we have a way to avoid and overcome our temptations. We have a way to win, to be victorious. And, and so there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to face trials. I don't want to face difficulties. Um, I don't want tough circumstances. But when we face the temptations of the devil, we know that we have everything we need to win. It's not wrong to say, I don't want to have to do this, but, but it's also good to understand that if we do, and if we face these temptations, just like Jesus, right after his baptism, high point in, in his ministry at that point. I mean, he is baptized in the, in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. The Spirit of God comes down. The voice of God is audible and heard. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. As, as all of this happens and everything happens, and what, what happens, it says right after that, Jesus is driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, he's at his very weakest. And at his very weakest, what happens? He's tempted. Then Satan comes, and he tempts him three times. He tempts him with his physical hunger. He tempts him with his pride. He tempts him to test God. Jesus overcomes all three temptations, all three distortions of, of Satan, and he follows him, and then it says, you know what it says at the end? It says, and the devil left him for a more opportune time. 
He's opportunistic. He's waiting. He was waiting. And that's when he tempts us. He tempts us in our weakness. He tempts us when things are at their worst. He tempts us when life has beat us up the most. He tempts us when, when we look at and we see, you know, I don't know how I can do this or whatever. And he comes in and he subtly undercuts and tempts and, and offers us something that looks great, but in the end it leads to destruction. And, and so he's saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's coming in, in our prayers, praying proactively every day, God, don't let me be tempted today. Help me to have this day to, to, to be in, in the right position. But I understand that if I am, you're providing for me the means to overcome it. I know that I can overcome it. We're all going to face temptations. We're all going to face trials. Everybody does. That's part of the human condition. But what Jesus promises us is that we can win because he has provided the means for us. So <clears throat> we know that we have everything that we need to win. So as we come in, we say, forgive us of our debts. We're, we're asking for forgiveness. We're forsaking our sin. As we have also forgiven our debtors, so we are forgiving, forgiving others because if we forgive others their trespasses, what it says in verse 14, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He said, look, as, the way your heart is, is is the way that your heart's going to be blessed. And, and then we come on in and, and he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's focusing, focusing on the things of God. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So as we come in and look at the Lord's Prayer, it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. <clears throat> and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's focusing. It's bringing the prayer back full circle for me. As, as I come into all of it, I look at, I have, for, <clears throat> I have revered God. I've worshiped God. I have <clears throat> relinquished control of my life. I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him to lead me and to take me and provide for me my daily bread and everything that I need and, and then as, as we come on, we, we forsake our sin, we forgive others, we follow him, and we focus. We focus on him. It reminds me that it's all about God. It reminds us that this is all about God. Uh, for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. It's about him. It's, it's not about us. It's, it's always about him. He supplies the power. He supplies the power for us, not us. As, as we come in and we look at everything that's gone on in, in the last, what is it, eight months, nine months, however long all this stuff has been going on, we come in and, and, and look and, and um, it's just a, a, a quick reminder. You know what? God is still on the throne. God is still in control. God will take everything that we feel like is, is horrible and ugly and, and everything else now, and he will do something amazing through it. He will draw us close to him. Maybe as, as we go through and, and, and we look at everything, as I come through and look at over several months now, it reminds me 
that it is his kingdom, it is his power, it is his glory, that he has provided for us, that he has strengthened us, that he has given us the means to, to worship together, be it separate, and, and that's, not what, that's not what it uh, needs to be full time, but it has given us the option to be together like many people watching today, online, worshiping as, as we come and do that. That's a blessing from God that, that we were able, he has provided the means for that to come and, and to do that. It's his kingdom. He is supplying the power. It's not us and the glory. It belongs all to him. It really does belong all to him. And I have been so grateful as I know um, <clears throat> last Sunday, Robin did a, a tremendous job as he shared all of the things that we can be thankful for in our church, all the things over the last few months that have happened. And, and we could look at it as, as being lemons, but I'm telling you, God made lemonade out of it and it's been good. And he's done some great and mighty things in our church. And as we come and we look, I mean, as Greg shared, they've got a brand new baby here and, and um, you know, God is still on the throne. He is still blessing us. He is still doing. And, and we look and we look at, we've had babies born in our church. Um, Sophie, Eleanor, Jackson now, and I'm, I might be missing another one there too. But, um, and we have people who have brand new grandbabies, Dave and Trudy celebrating this week. Um, and, and just the, the many wonderful things that are going on in life. And as we come in and we understand, you know what? It is the kingdom of God. It is his power. It is his glory forever. Because you know what? This life is simple. It's like a mist and a vapor and it soon passes. But eternity with God in heaven and eternity with the people of God is an amazing thing. And that's what it's all about. And that's where we are looking. And the longer we journey in life, the more we understand that there's more to it than what we're looking at. And God has a plan and a purpose for us and the glory belongs to him it all belongs to him and he shares it with no one in Isaiah 42 verse 8 God said I am the Lord that is my name my glory I give to no other nor my praise to carved idols so this is the promise of God it is his it is all his and he will share it with no one so if we can keep those simple things in mind our prayers are going to be like rifle shots to God they're going to be very focused, very clear, and, and very easy for us to see and to understand. And, and it's a laser focus on the essentials of prayer. And, and as we come in, we, we need to look, how am I praying through this? As, as I come in and I look, and, and Jesus began in this section on prayer, coming in and, and talking about it and, and saying that prayer isn't something we do to show people how holy we are. It's not something we do out of self-righteousness. Instead, it's something where we come to him humbly in humility, revering him and, and understanding who he is. He is God in heaven, God above all, God who came and walked among us, God that we celebrate today as, as the baby in the manger and we look forward to as the Lion of Judah, the King who will return in victory and triumph and rule and, and glory and honor and power and might. And, and the promise of his kingdom and everything that will take place there. If we keep this in mind and we understand <coughs> that because of that, as we revere him, that we do relinquish the power in our life to him. We do relinquish our autonomy to him. And we do rely on him to provide for us on a day-to-day-to-day -to -day basis as we come and we look to him. And we forsake our sin. We confess it. We we. 
We confess it, we forsake it, we turn from it, and we move forward. That's a proper understanding of what it means to be um, asking for the forgiveness of God. And it's, it's not coming in saying, you know what, I, I'm just, I'm just a, a poor old sinner, or this is saying, no, I understand what that was, and it's done, it's finished. Jesus paid the price of it. That's why he came. That's why he was born. That's why he was born in a stable. He wasn't born in some big fancy place. He was born at the very bottom of it all, and that's where sin takes us, is to the very bottom of it all. And as he walked on this earth in sinless perfection, he showed me what he wants me to be as a human being. He says, this is what it means to be human. This is what it means. It means to walk with God, to live with God, to love God, to desire God, to, to be everything that he calls us to be. And, and it means that, that we come in and we turn from that sin and we trust him on a day-to-day basis. Even when we don't have to ask for our food for today, we still understand that ultimately it is a gift that comes from him. And, and we are, are trusting and forsaking that sin and turning from it. And we are forgiving those who have sinned against us. And we are following him in every aspect of our lives and asking him to help us and, and, and just to know and, and to trust him. And then we come in and we focus on him. We focus everything in and down to it. And that drives us into this place of knowing and looking and saying, you know what? I am dialed into the kingdom of God. I am praying for people around me to come to know Christ. And you know what? Sometimes it's really easy. We look at, at, at people around us, people in our lives, and, and we, we become upset with them or angry or unforgiving or we just say we're giving up and I'm done. I'm, I'm cutting my ties and I'm, I'm cutting my losses and moving on. And what Jesus is telling us is, is to say, you know what? You're no different. I know what your past is. You know what your past is. Get over it. My grace has been given to you. Now give that grace to others. Pray for them. It doesn't say that we have to agree with them or, or get into their junk or whatever. It just means that we have to have this focus on the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, it means that we're praying for the people around us who have, who have sinned against us. We're praying for them on a regular basis. Pray for those who persecute you. Um, we, are, <clears throat> we are offering them forgiveness. And we are praying that God will change them. We're praying that God will do a, a miracle of grace in their lives like he's done in ours. And that he will bring them into the kingdom of God because it is a glorious kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. It's something that goes forever and, and God doesn't want anyone to miss it. So it's coming in to this thing of, of prayer, knowing that God can change me. God can change my heart. God can change my circumstances. God can do miracles within me. And even if my circumstances don't change, he will give me the power to live through them. And not just to survive, but to experience him and to grow in my faith. And that he is calling us to pray for the people around us, to pray for the people in our community, to pray for our family members who don't know him, and, and to come in and pray for the people that we work with who don't know him, to pray for our neighbors who don't know him, to pray that people will come to Christ. And that as we pray, God promises that he hears our prayers and he responds to our prayers. So that's the hope, and, and that's the thing that we can be so thankful for, 
as we come in here, as we celebrate, and it's the thing that we can anticipate and look just as people anticipated the coming, uh, the birth of Christ, and as we come in and we come to the time of Christmas and we anticipate that, and we look at it, we look at it not as an event, but we look at it as the very dawning of the grace of God being made known to all of humanity for all of time, for all of eternity. And, and it was the very beginning of God completing the work, completing the work of salvation that was unfolding for centuries through the prophets, through the people of God. And it came in Christ, and ultimately it will come, culminate in his second coming. And this is the hope that he offers to us as we come and we pray. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. And we praise you and we thank you for the many blessings that you poured out on us. Father, we thank you that you forgave us of our sin. Father, we, we acknowledge the vileness of our sin, the offense that it is to you, the unspeakable pain that it caused you pain and, and suffering that we can't even understand. Father, we come before you today and ask that you would draw us close to you. Father, that you would give us a look forward to your glory, to your honor, to your power, to your kingdom to a new heaven and a new earth that you promised to us, to a hope that can never be taken away. And Father, we pray that as your people, every little thing that happens around us will pour it out to you, trusting you, knowing that the same grace that you've given to us, you've made, made available to all people. And Father, we pray that we would be a church known for grace and mercy, a church that's known for praying for the people around us, a church that's known for helping people, for loving people, and for helping them to come to know the grace and mercy of God. Father, thank you for the many blessings you've given to us. Thank you for this wonderful time of year that we celebrate and we look to the indescribable gift that you've given to us in life in Christ Jesus. And we pray for our church, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would build us up, and help us, Lord, to be strong in our faith and in the things that you've called us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey. I want to thank everybody for being here today as we uh, closed in prayer. And, and it's been a, a, a long three weeks for me. I looked and I go, wow, I haven't preached since uh, the first of the month. But, uh, but now we are, here we are moving into December. So um, it's, it's great to be here. And I want to thank everybody and, and all of you online. It's great to have you. All of our announcements and everything are on our website. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks. Adrian.
How are you?